Welcome back to another episode of the Jew Rogaine Experience. Joining me today is a hilarious comedian, uh, a friend of mine, uh, and just all around good guy, uh, Mike Eshack. I almost called you Mike Falzone for a second. I wouldn't mind his career right now. (laughs) (laughs) But your career is doing great. It's it's good. It's getting there. Your career is doing great. I'd say I'd say you're you know of of uh, of the our, our class comics. You're you're up there towards towards the top. I'm trying. I'm trying. I feel blessed right now, and uh, you know, but you know how it is, man. You're getting headlining spots in L.A. clubs. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 But you know how it is, bro. It's like no matter what, man. No matter what, you want the thing you don't have. I'm sure you talk to Mike Eshack and you'd be like, "Yeah, man, I wish I had Santino's career right now." <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you for talk me, to Santino, he's like, "Yeah, I wish I was Bill Burr." Yeah. I, I mean, uh, being white with hair would be very. I'd be very. I'd like that a lot. <laughs> I take Anthony Jess on that. Would all you day. take? Would you take? Uh, okay. Here. Here's. Here's. Here's the okay. options. Okay. Uh, white, bald, and short. Or uh, black, tall, with hair. Black, tall, with hair all day. Black, tall, with hair all day. Privilege. What about 10 years ago? Black guy with hair all day. 50 years ago, black guy with hair all day. I don't give a fuck, man. I think that's uh, it's the way to go. Because to be honest, I think uh, I think growing up with some type of... Sorry. I think growing up with some type of struggle builds character. Sure, sure, sure. But growing up short and bald will... Uh, <laughs> also a build a lot of character, character too. too. I'm afraid that if I was a white guy and I was short, uh, I wouldn't have the Middle Eastern mom that gave me the self-esteem to not even think I was short. Well, I think you it's know? hard. it's hard, like... It's hard to be a short. I think it's. I think it's one. I think being a short white guy. <laughs> I'm getting myself canceled right at the beginning of my episode. A short white every episode. All these last five episodes I've recorded. I'm like, I got to edit or just no man. No, I'm leave kidding, it I'm in kidding. there. I don't. I don't care. I think it's tough. I think being a short white guy is, is it? tough. I mean, I don't. You're even, not short. I don't consider myself short. You're not. I don't. You know why I don't consider myself short? It's funny. I only feel short when I see myself in pictures with people I didn't think were tall. You know what? That's funny. You know what's funny? I have the same mindset. I have, I have real tall energy. I make fun of people uh-huh. for being short that I find out are taller than yeah. me when they get mad at me for making yeah. fun of. Like Reed is like my exact height, but I call him short all yeah. the time. Bro, forever, <laughs> man. Forever growing up, I never thought of myself as short ever it never crossed my mind i never thought about it even to this day when now that i'm aware and i'm doing i'm microdosing mushrooms so like now i'm aware of myself and like i know that yeah i'm i'm, I'm below the the average height it doesn't it doesn't affect me at all and then i do the same thing some people that i know forever in my mind are either my height or shorter than me <laughs> But you know what? You know how much short matters to other people? I know. Um, Because, like, so so something I learned on uh, a recent episode that I just released to the show with Jake Rush, Jake went to be a sperm donor. Mm. He's six foot four. Mm. He's autistic. Mm. They were like, well, we don't care. We'll take it. Mm. I, at 5'8", am disqualified. Yeah. I can't. I I with like a, like high SAT scores, great college, uh, good family, everything going for me. Short, losing my hair, you're out. Yeah, but you know what though? I don't, I think you and autistic, I, autistic, autistic, I can do no problem. Retarded, if you're, you're, you're tall retarded. and retarded. You get you get you're great. <laughs> if you're short and fucking put together and uh-uh, not get good enough, get the fuck out of here. Listen, man. You know I don't even get mad at that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of short guys. That, not I'm gonna say a lot, but I know there are short guys. 
they get mad about that shit. So they'll be like, that's fucking man. Girls won't date me because I'm. And it's just like, dude, you just got to accept what it is. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that most women would like a guy taller than them. Because I don't give a shit what type of girl I date because I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. My last girlfriend was uh, like four inches taller than me. And so what? Yeah, it was great. But let me tell you this. I felt yeah. I was walking around like the Monopoly but guy. But be honest. But be honest. When you were younger, when you were younger, did you, did you prefer a girl that was smaller than you? I, I still when do. When I was younger, I would just take anything I could get. But you know what I mean, though, <laughs> in terms of like how it felt like when well, you were with a girl your size or a girl that's smaller. I remember when I was younger, and I still feel that this way, too. It, I understand it because like I've dated girls that are petite. I love petite girls. And, and, and I can tell that when I hug them, I feel I can protect them. I'll Does that make you, sense? I'll tell, you a, I'll tell you a true thing about my last relationship when I was dating a girl that was like four inches taller than me. Um, when we were early on dating, I was like before we'd slept together or anything, I was really high after like a weekend of of promoting doing my own shows and like lying in bed relaxing. And she asked if like she could come over to hang out and like watch TV and stuff with me. And I have this anxiety about her being tall and it not being comfortable to cuddle with her. And uh, and I was like super high. So I was like, hey, come. No, no, don't come. It like caused a whole problem. That, that, that is what. So, but, but, wow. but, but, but I want to move forward to say that ultimately, you know, we dated for almost a year. She was maybe the most comfortable person to cuddle with of anybody I've ever dated. Why is that? I would just, it just like, it just fit. The chemistry weird. fit. Yeah. Everything fit. Like, Sometimes like, you, meet, you meet a person and their shape and your shape, it fits like a Lego piece. There's some girls where I hug them. I'm like, oh man, this just, sorry, this just feels so right. But I would have assumed that her being so much taller than me would have made it worse. But no. like my, when you lie down, you're the same size. My, type, really. Well, that, 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 you was, like scooch that up. was a joke she had about why she liked short guys. She's like, everyone's the same size when you're having sex. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Except for your dick. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing I got uh, tall dick jeans. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I was about to you, I'm short, but my dick is tall. Um, and here's the thing. Being short, no matter what size your dick is, it's going to look pretty big on you. You, well, you know, know what I mean? You know what's like, fun? if you take my dick and you put it on AJ Faji, who's like almost seven feet tall, people are going to be laugh at him. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but it's like, it's like, it's like, honestly, probably even like an even bigger curse to be like tall with a small dick. I know comics who have jokes about That's having what I'm a small about. dick when they're tall. And I always That's wonder, what, here's the thing I wonder, is everyone's dick just the same size, but proportionally our dicks look bigger and proportionally theirs are looking tiny? That's probably it, dude. <laughs> I fucking think so. I think that when someone thinks of someone that's like really tall and especially if they're black that their hog would would fucking match that height and you know i've talked to a lot of girls and they every girl resoundingly says it's not always the case it has nothing to do and then i even hear that big feet big hands which i have i'm fucking less than five eight my fucking I almost, basketball i almost wear i almost wear a, a size 12 shoe oh damn yeah I'm, I'm a size 11 i'm 11 and a half see that's what i'm saying so so but but some girls say that that's not actually the case some guys say yeah, the guys will have big feet and then they they see their dick and they're like what the fuck or the guys do have big feet and like you said they're really tall and then their dick is fucking a good size but then to 
proportionately, they're like, what the fuck? I, I talk about this. I um, So I lost all these. These are something that I lost uh, during when I got mugged. Um, but... Uh, on my cell phone. So I've never, I've never, I just want to clarify off the top, I've never sent an unsolicited dick pic. Unsolicited but, never, yes. But I've taken a lot of dick pics. Sure. Because I thought it was looking fresh in the moment. Yes. And if I was going to get one solicited, yes. I didn't want to be taking it like yes. under pressure. Yes. Or you have a, a bankroll of the ones that you did for other girls in the past and the you know it was I had, I had like a day. folder i was like fre- it was like the folder was called fresh dick pics oh you shouldn't call it that bro you should have called it something else well it's like in my phone my personal you about taxes Tax- <laughs> <laughs> that's what i do well, I a like, lot of people are a lot of people are trying to find out about those right now though yeah but not me not yet you know the irs just like like starts going through my phone <laughs> just a ton of dick I pics i put recipes or some <laughs> shit mom's recipes a lot of people are looking for those of mine too. Uh, Fuck! But- <laughs> I gotta come up with another. T- I gotta come up with another folder. The only thing nobody's looking at in my phone are fresh dick pics. Yeah, <laughs> that's honestly the best name to keep people out of the folder. That's hilarious. Fact, <laughs> that's what I called my taxes. <laughs> um, oh fucking edelman you but, jewish uh, motherfucker but yeah yeah no they're just moments i'm like oh look the natural lighting coming in from the window is yeah, good yeah yeah yeah, I'm yeah. like a little extra, he's hard I'm weirdly extra hard he's right hard. now yeah 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 he's, he's like, like he's, he's a lot of the times was in the morning for me yeah you know like if like if i knew i had to like get a dick piss something you wake up in the morning you got to take a piss your dick is at attention and, and i'll be like what up also, you know, uh, from all my filmmaking experience and like film classes, I understand things like, you know, how in The Hobbit, yeah. they like just film them at a distance from him. That perspective. So I'm, I'm constantly taking things with like things in the background but and the perspective TV, makes, but it look, far away. makes it look even, <laughs> <laughs> but I can shoot it at the right angle and then it just makes it look gigantic. Amen, bro. Also, good thing about doing it in the morning. So I call it Gandalf. <laughs> hey! <laughs> You know the good thing about the morning is that it's also golden hour. There's another yeah, yeah, filming yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. sun well, is you're getting up real early. The sun is like <laughs> lower to the to on the horizon, and that's the best time to take a picture. Six a.m. and sunset. Those are the two sunset. Best times. Those are golden hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So. Um, but uh, in in L.A., your golden hour is probably better, honestly, at sunset because the sun's setting in the west. Yeah, very smart. Uh, that was the, no, you didn't need to say that, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, what was there was something I wanted to like bring up with? Oh, 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 oh. Um, but like back, back to the short thing. Um, you know, people get all upset about like woke culture and stuff, but sometimes it even benefits those people who don't think because there's the whole short kings thing right now. Is that a thing, or is that yeah. just, is that just a joke? Yeah, no. P- I mean, I think it's. A little bit. I of think both, it's just a troll. Like, you know what I mean? But no, I know lots of girls who say they like their short king. What's a short king? A short guy, a guy who's shorter than the, just like a guy that people like who's shorter than them. No, you think it's like like somebody who's like real accomplished? That's and like, a short like king. a Mark Wahlberg. A short king is someone <laughs> who's like you're a short king, Mike. I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been said that I am, but like uh, you know, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple girls. They've the the thing is. A guy who's short and very confident, and it doesn't even bother him. And, you know, it's like, you know, especially if you're accomplished too. But I think a lot of it is someone who's short and owns it. It's all energy. 
Got tall energy. Yeah. Tall energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was your mom good at giving you self-esteem? Oh my god! I mean, half my act. If you ever see me do like my long act, is like one of my one of my like canon bits is about how my mom told me I look like Paul Newman every day. So like I I genuinely like spent most of my life. Just believing I was hotter than everyone else. Oh, that's good. Like, I grew up. That's kind of good. So long as there's some balance in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, girls are just fucking intimidated by this. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome, bro. Because my my mom's the same thing. I think that's the Arab family. Because is that, is that prevalent in jewish mothers because i heard it's like the other way or well, are mom, jewish mothers my mom's, self-esteem my, my machines? mom's a, a, a double threat she's jewish and italian so you want to talk 100 italian yeah and 100 jewish so um, ashkenazi uh yeah i guess so i i, I always forget she's like okay okay <laughs> All right, i'm just trying to figure out okay wow so and uh yeah well there you go you got that mediterranean self-esteem you know mm-hmm. what i mean because like arab what? mothers that's what they do like the, your father breaks you down in the family structure and tries to, you know, make you tough and everything. And your mom builds you up. You are beautiful. You are everything. Nothing can go wrong with you. Every girl should be lucky to have you. Like my mom would tell me stuff, you know, like Arab moms would, would be like, uh, uh, are, are you dating anybody? And then I'll be like, no. And I remember the, uh, a friend's mom said to me, she's like, go meet women. <laughs> go talk to them. You are a man. That's what you do. And that's like Arab culture. And I love that part of Arab culture. Sucks for the girls, though. <laughs> sucks for the, the Arab girls. culture sucks for the girls. Oh, yeah. It's great for the guys. Mm-hmm. Terrible for the girls because the girls are typically like, you know, in Arab, Arab Muslim culture, especially the, the girls are like, they can't do shit. They can't go out. They have to stay home all the time. They Only can't just be seen now started driving cars. Just now they're driving cars <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. I was on a roll there. No, no, you're on a roll. I, I ended up forgetting the thing I was going to say, but maybe it'll come back. It was fucking brilliant, though. It was going to be the clip from the show. Uh, <laughs> but um, so so another thing I, wa- I want to say, I want to give you credit, Mike. You you did you did me a super solid the other day. You don't even know what a solid you did for me. But uh, the other day, uh, Mike and I were at our friend Yesh Malik's going away party. Mike drove me home. We had a long heart-to-heart in the car. It was good. And, and you encouraged me to go back. Back into monk mode, and since that, since that car, since that drop off, I have been full on monk mode. I've been keto yeah. for the whole week. Fuck worked yeah. out every day. I was gonna day. say when I walked up, you looked thinner already. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I was gonna say that, but then I was just like, ah, my eyes are probably. It happens. Tricks it happens fast for me. Well, the first, the first part happens the fast. First, then it slows down. Yeah, exactly. I'm at <laughs> the slowdown part. You got to right keep now. it going. Yeah, but like you know, I, I always say, you know, I always watch those, uh, those like P90X before and after things. I'm like, I'll take before. Yeah, I'll be, I'm happy at before. <laughs> at, at those P90X. Yeah, before's. I look at, when I when I see before and after videos. I'm like, who are these for? Because I will, I'm like done at before. Give me their number. I'll fucking have sex with them. I remember saying this. Um, I was dating a girl. Uh, we were talking about her. Uh, I was dating somebody and it's like the only person who's ever complained about my weight while we were dating. And uh, I said, you want me to get thin? Break up with me. Next time you see me, I'll have a six pack. Uh, And then next time I saw her, I, uh, I, I was very thin. I did not have a six That is fucking hard. I learned that yeah, I'm never going to have a six pack. That's one of the things I've, I've learned. I'm trying for it. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. We don't need it. But to me, it's still. I kind of want to see what I looked like when I got out of boot camp. It's I just feel like, like I want to. It's like it's like I want to prove it. Maintaining a six pack, I don't want to do that. Meaning, I want to get myself down to that, 
and have then, it for a moment, and then, get some fresh pics. Yeah. Get some fresh dick pics with the six-pack showing. And then level out, <laughs> but don't get too fat to mm-hmm. the point where if I do want to bring the abs back, it's a shorter travel. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just, I think like uh, for me, I don't like what happens to the rest of my body when I start getting that skinny. Okay. Your like, face gets sunken in and yeah, stuff? Yeah. I just, I think, I think I, I look, look like that too. I think I look better. Like, like my ideal body is Frumpy. like, is like golden eye Pierce Brosnan. You know, it wasn't a six pack. He's yeah, got, he, he got like he was skinny fat. He was skinny fat. He was yeah, that, skinny fat. That, I think that's me at my best. Okay. I think like I look at pictures of me back when I got my skinniest, and I'm almost like too skinny, too skinny. Listen, but that one picture you showed me of you sitting down brooding, and you're like every girl that thinks was this when picture I was fat. Hot. I was fat then. Well, you look good in that picture. Yeah, yeah, because I was brooding. <laughs> yeah, remember I told you that's what women want, bro. Mm-hmm. They want a man that's brooding. Yeah, yeah, I just go into bars and I just play. Uh, and then girls are like, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, how yeah. it works. Sometimes, most times. No, I mean, you know, it's know. weird. It's weird having, uh, I think an interesting thing is like, you know, I learned, I think I think I learned a major lesson about confidence over, I mean, really, really, honestly, once I started getting into stand-up, mm. um, was when like this kind of clicked for me and you've mind. always been confident i've been confident for as long as you've known me um and i've grown more confident with like more accomplishments like getting releasing my doc and getting like the new york times write up and things like that you're it, a hustler bro it, it uh it makes me feel like okay maybe i am all the things you're doing I everything I you're supposed to do to become the confident man that you need to be you're 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 tackling very very hard tasks and completing them and nothing makes you more this is probably not just men this is women too nothing makes you feel more accomplished when you actually tackle something that you know you had to finish man i'm telling you mike if he doesn't make it in stand-up motivational speaking i heard that again before bro. yeah yeah totally I, I, I did, an amazing a, motivational speaker i don't want a motivational speak i want to do shit you, you know, know I mean? you know you know what i think it is uh, and i just remembered the thing i wanted to say you know what i think it is that that makes you a really great motivational speaker is you're an unexpected person for it to be coming from I don't, I don't think, look like it. I don't. I think people would like think of like see you and be a little bit afraid of like what you're going to say to them. And in a way, you're no holds barred and you're straight up honest, I which, am, yeah. which is a great thing. I think simultaneously for motivational speaking and comedy. Oh, wow. um, and and you come come at it with confidence, and it feels good to hear positive feedback from you. Oh, thank you. That's I think why you're a success. Why you'd be a successful motivational speaker because it's like you're a person people want to hear. Like mm. like good things. That's about very nice of you to say, man. I really appreciate that, dude. Uh, but uh, oh, this is what I was gonna say earlier. Uh, <laughs> uh, I always say that there is a difference between um, when 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 girls say they want to date a Jewish guy, they don't mean an Israeli. Israelis are not Jews. They're Jewish, but they're not Jews. Oh, when you say Jews, you mean in an American. In an American sense. Oh, when you say Jews, you mean American Jews. Israelis are you, Jews are Woody Allen. <laughs> that's 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 the thing. That's 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 the difference. Yeah, it is right. Is it? So I, Woody Allen may be a bad example because people hate him now. Larry David. There was another too. comic. I don't know who it was. <laughs> if it's a famous comic or not, I forget who it was. But maybe it was Ari. But it was like making the contrast between. 
Israelis and American Jews. And, you know, like Israelis are just, they're like really tough. Mm-hmm. And you can like throw peanuts at an American Jew and they might die. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, you're fragile. We're like like nerdy doctors yeah. and accountants yeah. and, and TV writers. Some of my favorite Jews. And uh, directors. Israelis are like the ones in the fucking military. Bro, can I tell you, <laughs> can I tell you about that, that story that I had when I was in Israel for the first time? Okay, yeah, yeah. I was in the Marines, right? Thank you for calling it Israel. <laughs> I got to get off this podcast now, bro. No. I'm sorry, man. This is I, I did, I'm going to lose all my Arab followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow yeah, yeah. me, MikeFromDetroit.com, Public Yemeni number one. Um, okay, so we went to Haifa mm-hmm. when I was in the Marines, and this is my first time going to Israel, and I was nervous, right? Because I'm Arab, I'm Muslim, and I fucking read, right? So I was nervous. So. I even asked my platoon sergeant, can we switch out my shirt? Because our name is on it. Mm-hmm. Let me just be Corporal Spakusa for fucking while we're here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. So um, we pull up into Haifa. And I'm not going to lie, dude. You know, because growing up, watching the news, seeing how there's this, 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 tension. this tension and hatred between these two groups. Um I was worried. So we get to Haifa, bro, and uh, uh, I worked on LAVs, light armored vehicles. And these are like tanks that have tires, eight tires, and they're also amphibious. So we're about to, we roll our fucking vehicles onto the dock. All the Israeli soldiers come walking up and crowding around us, right? And everyone gets out and everyone starts meeting Israelis, right? And they're all having discussions and I'm inside the tank fake doing my checklist like i'm like acting like i'm doing actual work starting to turn the tank thing yeah. towards the israeli base <laughs> um talking to your original mission commander like i'm finally in yeah <laughs> i should have been corporal spakuza uh, so i get there uh we get there and then i decided all right dude i need to smoke a cigarette they're all outside talking and i'm gonna like go up and we had a pneumatic chair so you the you turn it on and it lifts you up so that your head will pop out so you could see everything so i get in the seat and i go as soon as my head popped out i light the cigarette one israeli there and with another marine they're showing each other's weapons and and one israeli is like how many people you kill with that ah nobody no to to, to Uh the other marines Uh so like the israeli soldiers boasting that we marines haven't actually killed anyone Right. And then he's like, you see this here? I killed so many Arabs with this. <laughs> and as soon as he said that, every Marine in the dock turned around and looked at me. And I was like, bro. but you know, the funny thing is, is that I saw that, but then I also saw a, a taxi driver, right? Who back in 1999 was now my Uber driver is sort of, so to speak. So I, we we got our first taxi, me and a bunch of Marines, and this guy picks up, he's got a yarmulke, and he looks Arab. And I remember before I went to Israel, I was always like thinking that everyone in Israel is white because our media machine would only show us Israelis and a lot of them were always Caucasian, Caucasian. I had no idea. Then I see this guy and then I was like, hey bro, are you, you're Jewish? And he's like, yeah. I go, what ethnicity are you? He goes, I'm Palestinian. And my head exploded, bro. And the whole time, this guy sort of became 
my Wikipedia for understanding Israel. Hold on a second. But I was very young and stupid. I didn't understand anything. So my mind is blown away. He gave me the history. You know, he's like, oh, yes. He goes, you're Yemeni. There's Yemeni Jews out there. I was like, holy shit. What? We became friends. And at the time, I had like a cell phone. And he gave me his fucking cell phone number. And he goes, anytime you need a ride, you call me. I'm driving you around. And I was just like, that was fucking cool, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one thing I was going to say is it's like, you know, you could just say you're Israeli. I don't think anyone will question it. <laughs> um, <laughs> 100%. It's like you, Israeli is Middle Eastern. When I go um, to Thailand, a lot of Israelis travel in Thailand because they can't travel to other parts of Southeast Asia because mm-hmm. they've been banned from going to those countries. So a lot of Israelis travel in Thailand. A lot of hot Israeli girls. Oh, God, they're so gorgeous. They will walk up to me, me and they go, are you, are you Jewish? Yeah, yeah, the, it very much matters. And I will <laughs> like, get for laid. A minute, for a minute. I will get laid so long as they don't know I'm Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember a couple of times I'd be like, no, I'm Arab, I'm Muslim. They would just walk away. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah. Um, Haifa, interestingly, when uh, the first time I went to Haifa, they were telling us that like in ancient times, Haifa was actually where elderly Jews went to uh, die. They would go there to die. Why? Why there? I was. I don't know. I just. I just remember thinking. Now they go to Boca Raton. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but like Haifa was OG uh, Boca they're Raton. Boca, they're going straight to Florida. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, um, I went I, first. So I've been to Israel three times. First time I went was when I was I got bar mitzvahed on Mount Masada. And then uh, second time I went was on birthright. And I remembered when I was going on birthright, it was like. Like, probably in the past 10 years, like, the peak tensions between uh, Israel Israel and Palestine. There was, like, no talks of anything, just straight up, like, they were sending, like, 100 rockets a day into Tel Aviv, and then Israel was doing, like, targeted attacks, and it was crazy. And uh, and I wrote one of my first stand-up because I was like starting stand-up then where people were like, were you afraid? I was like, nah, we stayed at the nicest bomb shelters, mm-hmm. ate delicious rations, mm-hmm. fireworks every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that joke. Uh, I don't really do it that much anymore. But, but uh, I yeah. talk to other uh, Jewish people who go to Birthright and they... They say that like if you do it, it's it's only going to be showing you like the really good parts of Israel, and they try to negate everything else. And then like some of those uh, American Jews I know would leave and go on their own trips and after. go into Palestine. Mm. You know what I mean? Just to like witness Palestine and come back. Um, but. Yeah, so I'm very, very much about staying out of the dangerous areas. I've, yeah. I've I, there's been enough crime committed against me while I'm trying to be safe, <laughs> bro. You, <laughs> you just got mugged not too long ago. I got bro. mugged not too long ago on my last tour, uh, Austin. We were staying at a four star hotel in like a suburban area with like cheesecake factories around us. Someone stole his catalytic converter in the middle of the tour. That's ghetto shit. Yeah, it's but but like it wasn't in the ghetto. It was like in a nice. It was at a four star hotel parking lot, bro. And my my neighborhood right where I'm at. I'm near Hancock Park, like right mm-hmm. next to those big ass houses, and that place has always been peaceful. Then all of a sudden, the pandemic pandemic happened. Detroit just started happening. People got their windows smashed. Uh, fucking catalytic converters started getting sawn off. My car was stolen in Toluca Lake. That's what I'm saying, man. You it's know. weird. It's like it's it's honestly we were in Oakland and Stockton and we were at like a Super 8 in Chico. Everything was fine. We go to one nice place. Pff. 
it's crazy. But I always say, you know, it's funny. It's like walking around Los Angeles. I, I, one thing I always say is like, like you know, L.A. is the only place where you walk around scared for your life in neighborhoods you can't afford to live in. Yeah, uh, yeah but, exactly. But it's also crazy how there are like these invisible walls. I call them like invisible force fields where it's just like, you know, there's no actual gate to get in, but, you know, riffraff stays out of Larchmont. It like it doesn't get That's into where I'm at. it doesn't get into Beverly Hills. Uh, well, Beverly got, Hills is a little different. It did get into Larchmont. So. Uh, did it? I mean, that's the guy below me. Why the guy go, below me? Ten o'clock in the morning got held up in maybe, his apartment at ten oh, in the morning. Shit. Well, because like for me, it's like you know, I, I <laughs> I'm not as much anymore, but I was walking around a lot, and I would just be like, it would be like you know, you're walking, and it's like Children of Men, City of God, Mad Max Fury Road, Larchmont. <laughs> like just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like nice, and there's nothing, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. scary that around. That area's very nice, you know? <laughs> but I mean, there were they've, they've, lately there have been some incidences, but I mean, I think it's died down now, now that everyone's back out, but I'm talking about right after the lockdown was lifted, and then I mean, it, it got really dude, bad. Dude, this is, how, this is how terrifying it was to live here during COVID. When, uh, so when the George Floyd um, protests were happening, I could just hear everything because it was like happening right there and right there. And I could hear it all like going on. And I even went out a little bit, but but heard it all. And then when uh, they were doing the Derek Chauvin trial, when they yeah. were like giving the verdict, yeah. I was watching like, please fucking God guilty or I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was literally like, if he's not guilty, I'm going to die tonight. That's hilarious. bro. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. It's hard to be a white guy now. Well, no, it wasn't even that. I'm just like, my house is just not safe enough yeah. for him to be found innocent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know, dude. Was, that was one of those things where I was, I was praying for guilty. Also. I'm like, even if he's innocent, make him guilty, bro. <laughs> For the good, for the good, for the good of the people. Yeah, for Edelman's um, sake. <laughs> uh, I've never, I've never been as invested in a verdict in my life. That, that's funny, man. <laughs> I can see that, man, because this is not, this is a hotbed for all kinds of shit where you're at. And people were like desperate to get out. Like, like people, you know. I always say it's like a funny thing. You know, we all jump to judgment so quickly on people in this country. Frequently, um, for for example, one thing. It's like it's like. I was super in support of of Black Lives Matter protests or whatnot. You know, don't worry, um, <laughs> but um, but like I remember, like when it was happening. This is like in the middle of the pandemic. There are comedians I know committing suicide because they can't handle uh, handle what's going on. Do you remember? Um, do you remember? Fuck what Nick Country, big fat comic. I think so. I can't remember. Well, Nick Country jumped in front of a train. Um, Zach, fuck? Zach Stein said the funniest thing after hearing that. He what? went, fair fight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but no, but there was like tragedies happening left and right like that. There were, yeah. you know, like more famous comics doing it. And sure. Stuff. Brody it was, Stevens. It was, yeah, that was before the pandemic, but, but Still. yeah. So, like, mental health was was on the brink. And I just remember people tweeting things like, if you're posting a picture of your lasagna right now, you're looking real out of touch. And I'm just like, 
look, we're all trying to get through the day right yeah, now. exactly. Like, if going out and fighting for social justice right. is getting you through the day, I 100% support you. I'm right there with you. If posting a shitty enchilada you microwave exactly. is getting you through the day, post that enchilada. Get it out there. Yep. I agree. I did my part. I watched all the Police Academy movies, and I was like, we got to retrain the cops. <laughs> 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 Fucking Police Academy. Fuck, that is such an old dude, reference, dude, bro. Dude, well, what's, what's so funny is I did watch the Police Academies during that. First Not, time? Uh, no, 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 no. It was like a rewatch, but like but like rewatching it for the first time since I was like a kid, I'm like, these movies did not age well in the social justice. That's fucking like, hilarious. Like, they are just saying uh, yeah. gay slurs. Oh, left yeah. and right. There's yeah. tons of homosexual oh, panic yeah. in them. You just go back uh, five years with some comedy and you're just like, ooh. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I still I like made it. Thing, I made things five years ago that I'm like taking it down. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, man. But you know the problem is is is, is I just, uh, this is what I'm disheartened about, okay? For the longest time in America, especially when the 2000s hit, right? We were reaching this really good level uh where where we were still progressing away from racism and all these terrible things right right but we still had context to fuck around with talking about it and now it's like all of a sudden that that line that that is about hey let's stop being mean to trans people, whatever. Now context is going and lining up with that to the point where if you just say the word trans, people are like, Ugh. everything's so on fire right now. Yeah, like like you can't you can't touch it. But like you know, I I I was saying this thing that that I felt like I something that I felt like I was seeing was um you know. There were people who I was like, like they were, they were so far gone. They were like white people who would like use the N word and and just thought all these horrible things that started to like realize that some of their ways were wrong. But they're like so far that like the fact that they've made it this far back is like good for you. You know, you still got a ways to go, but like, I'm not going to get on you exactly. about, about something stupid Bro. you said. And then it's like, and then Bro, it's like, that's they'd, context. Make, they'd make a mistake right. and people would jump so far down so their throat. Hard. It's like, it's like, well, I'm never going to be good. I'm never going to be good. So I might as well go back to being as bad as I was. Oh, and you think some people are, 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 are doing that? I think it happened to some people like, like you just, you know, and it's tough, man, because the world is fucking crazy, and there's just a point right now where you're hearing every fucking voice. That's the problem. Like, there used to be a time—I think about this, too, and this is, like, the thing that upsets me the most, is that there used to be a time where— like in order to have a voice, you had to earn it. Yes. Now everyone has got a, voice. a voice, and now the loud majority, which is not that smart, now have a collective voice and are driving this outrage machine to get all of us to go down to their intellect. And I want to even be clear: I'm not even an anti cancel culture person in like the typical way like i think of things like when i hear Chappelle complaining about like cancel culture i'm like you're just complaining about people complaining about you mm. like like it's like you have every right to say what you want to say about them but they also have every right to be like 
cancel Chappelle. I'm not. I'm not lying. That wasn't my favorite era of Chappelle. Oh, Chappelle went from my favorite comic ever to just unwatchable to me right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I'm, I'm. I'm only. He's still watchable and very interesting, but he's not. He's not tight with the funny anymore. It's it's meaning uh, like he's not cracking it, cracking it, cracking well, it. Well, we're just know? we're watching Chappelle get to get two on his own cock right now. Well, except for when he did the last SNL. Uh, monologue in that one there it was like boom he was back to rare form but then again part of me goes is that only because he only had 10 minutes it's also a little tricky for me because i like again i support every piece of Chappelle's right to say everything he said in that but but there was but like there was as a jew like parts of that where i was like oh that's not a that's not a good (laughs) stereotype that people are well because here's great but here's the thing i and the way the way he played it too you know it was almost like you all are thinking about it and then he asks the whole uh, whoever they are you know i mean i've made this joke i've made this joke before but like hearing people complain about like jews in the entertainment industry is like me going there's too many black people in the nba there is too many black people. In the NBA. <laughs> That's why I don't watch it. I can't watch that shit, bro. I only watch hockey because all the white guys are Again, pretty. Again, I think like I think it's it's funny when it gets into creative spaces versus uh, athletic spaces because there's such a clear distinction in athletic spaces as to who's superior to who. Listen, um, I, I but I I believe I very much believe that there is a fusion in art that is largely objective mixed with subjectivity you can like something better than something else but there i think there i believe there is objectivity to things being better than other things i was very confused by what you say could you please explain that to me like i'm a five-year-old i'm just saying it's like it's like someone could tell you that they like a comic better than you and that's fine that they like this person better than you, but you might just be a better comic than them. Oh, it's subjective. Like, like yeah. It's subjective. But, but I also think it's objective because there are like people who are really well liked that I'm like, I get why they're liked, but they're not as talented as, and hardworking and, and yeah. craftsmen and have as much craft as somebody I mean, else. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, like back to the whole like uh, like the Chappelle thing talking about like that. I Listen. I think it's like, I listen. For too long, the the mantra that we would get from the media is: if you criticize Israel, you're anti-Semitic. If you bring up the point that a lot of the people that are at the highest parts of Hollywood are Jewish, right? If you bring that up, all of a sudden it's like you can't talk about that. Why not? Well, I just think that there's I think that the the general feeling is that there's that it's talked about again in the hot button nature of the world today. It's talked about in a way that like makes people angry as opposed to I think it's just conditioning from the media. The media has conditioned us for so long that you do not say anything about Jewish people because remember the Holocaust. But do you you understand why there are lots of Jews in the entertainment industry? Because they're talented and they're fucking smart. Do you also know that we essentially invented Hollywood? That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like here's the funny thing. Listen, in no way am Am I saying that there shouldn't be Jewish people in Hollywood? They started Hollywood. They created it. So that's why whenever I see like Arab people getting mad back when I was like doing films and stuff, they would get mad. They'd be like, oh, oh, it's all about Jewish people. The Jewish people always get the whatever. And my argument was instead of being mad for the fact that Jewish people created Hollywood 
and that they have an influence on what gets out there. Don't make that. Don't you getting mad is bullshit. Why don't you make a movie? Why don't you become an entertainer? Why don't you start doing what most Arabs need to do and be okay when the kid says, I want to be an actor or a musician instead of going, no, you have to be a doctor. Well, I think what's frustrating and, and again, I, I hate when it, I hate when things are, are, are framed in the way of like Jews in Hollywood. That's not the problem. No, can I tell you, can I tell you, I agree with can that I tell you what the a problem? lot of people use that framing to be, to be negative. But like, let me say this. Okay. Here's something that really bothered me. And I'm going to, and I'm, I think I feel like I'm going to actually explain what the real problem is, which is also talked about today. Good. And I also, and I also think is like a pointless thing to be upset about. Okay. But, uh, the thing that finally got me to quit social media during the pandemic, yeah. like the final straw for me, yeah. was I saw someone tweet a thing that said, what would you do if you were white? And then someone responded to that by saying, get a writing job in Hollywood without having a writing sample. And I'm like, here I am. I've been writing for years. I've got like five screenplays, two TV pilots. I've won awards for them. I made a movie. I'm, I'm a pretty successful- You grinded. And I still don't have that. And I'm not saying that that's that that's not fair or fair or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, you don't get that because you're white. You get that because you're Michael Eisner's son. So the mm. truth is, what people are upset about isn't yeah. Jews running Hollywood. Right. It's it's nepo babies yes. inheriting careers Amen. from people that goes a long line Bro. back. That that a lot of these people who started the business were Jewish. And that's so why saying is- the Jews is fucking stupid. It, that's that's like that's like saying I should be in prison for 9-11. You know what I mean? It's well, the that, same fucking shit. It's here's like my- you're lumping everyone in this one thing and, and I think that's the easy thing that easy we do. It's now, easy for us to do that. Now I want to defend nepo babies which I am not at all. My parents were very afraid of me going to this group because they're like we have no connections for you to right. help you with this. Right. You want to be a doctor? We got you like a job the second you get out of med school. Right. You want to be a lawyer? We're getting you at a firm right. the minute you get out of law school. You're going to go be a filmmaker and a comedian? Good luck. Good luck. Um, <laughs> we're going we're to take all that money that we're going to save for college and we're going to go to Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my parents paid for college and my dad used to say when he would sign the NYU checks, he goes, I just pictured a BMW exploding every time I signed. Is that what the, he yeah, said? He goes, like a, I pictured like a Mercedes going <laughs> off of a cliff. <laughs> as he would sign the, as he would sign the check, the shit that, he that was like the, with yeah, that money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's funny. <laughs> a summer home just uh, <laughs> going up in smoke. <laughs> um, that's but, hilarious. But <laughs> the cat is in the window before it blows up. Yeah, yeah. But um, but here's my argument against being upset at Nepo babies. So I think about this. Like, let's say. Steven Spielberg's son makes a movie. And explain Nepo Babies for anybody who Nepo doesn't. Nepo Babies are like kids of celebrities who basically get to cut the line because their parents are celebrities. Nepotism. So they, don't, they don't have to like climb the ladder, claw, scratch, do everything right. that like someone who didn't have any help right. did to get to the position to let their kids be Nepo Babies. Um, but uh, but I think about this. I'm like, you're, let's say Steven Spielberg's son makes a movie. And like, you know, he just, he didn't have to like, like go through interning and, and like fighting his way up through student loans and paying them off and all this shit. He just gets to make a movie and it's whatever it is, good or bad. Everyone's like, well, he just got that because he's Steven Spielberg's son. Now let's say Steven Spielberg's son instead decides, dad, I'm not using any of your help 
to get to get a movie made. I'm going to go to community college for two years because I'm not going to use your name to help me get into a better school. I'm then going to transfer into a school that I'm going to take out two hundred thousand dollars of student loans with. Then I'm going to spend, you know, my days working a job to pay off those student loans. My nights writing a film, a short film that I get into festivals. I don't even get into the big ones, but I get into a couple. Some people like that. I like talk to those people and make a negotiation with them to give me some money to make a feature film. I also get like experiments done on me to get the extra money I need to get that movie made. I get my friends together. We make that movie. The movie becomes an indie hit and uh, it comes out in theaters. Everyone's going to go, hey, you just got that movie because he's Steven Spielberg's yeah. son. Yeah. Is that really what Steven Spielberg's son did? No, 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 oh, no. no. Okay. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying it does. I was going to be, I want to meet this guy. I'm just saying if you're a Nepo baby, like no matter what you do, people are going to think you cut the line. Sure. So you might as well cut it. And listen. And the- I feel, oh, sorry, last thing. And I feel like Something that upsets me more than seeing a Nepo baby succeed is seeing someone not take advantage of their advantages. Amen. Because I'm like, if I had you, if Steven Spielberg was my dad, I'd be three movies deep right Probably now. Probably not, though. You don't know that. Maybe, maybe. You know, a lot of your, a lot of your, 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 your hustle comes from how you were raised and and the experiences that you had. Not many kids of rich parents and accomplished parents have that same amount of hustle Absolutely. and ingenuity Absolutely. and uh, problem solving. You know what I mean? No, no. Not to say that they don't exist. 100%, 100% true. Uh, and uh, and I think like that's another interesting thing when people talk about the race, like, like uh, you know, that people start the race here in life and people start sure. the way there in life. Sure. All that catching up is like, is like extra exercise they're doing to sure. get there. Sure. You know, And that's not to say that none of us are not looking for that bump. Oh, and because, man, I I feel the same way. If where I am right now and I could just get a bump like that, get the fuck out of town, bro. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like once, you know, people like us that 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 hustle from the bottom to get to where we're at, man. It's almost like we started working out with cement boots under the ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when shit takes off and we get the help, now it feels like we're bouncing on the moon. But I'd say I'd say to be fair to me, I had floaties like 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 mm-hmm. I, I have to acknowledge like two major the two major things in my life that make the gigantic difference to have like like helped me. And this is why, like, I don't get upset at all about like people who get like like, you know, very uh, shallow advantages, like what people would call shallow. Advantages. Sure, 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 um, sure. One that I don't have student loan debt because right. my parents were able to pay for college for right. me. Very lucky. And that they did. And two, that if I'm to fail miraculously, which I haven't, but if I am to fail miraculously, I have them to catch me. Yeah. And it's so much easier. Sure. It's so much easier to yeah. go out and take a gigantic risk in when your you life. When you have family that will support you. When you know that there are people there to catch you if Fuck you fall. yes. Because I look at some people out there that like- don't have a family to go back to. I know. Don't have any of that. And they take the leap. And they take the leap. And I have such so much unbelievable respect. admiration and so respect. So much respect. And if they get a little advantage to help them out, I'm 100% for no, it. No, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I was very fortunate in the same way. I have like a very good Arab family structure, and we all help each other in any way that we can. So like, if I were to fall flat on my ass and everything fell apart, yeah, I have, I have people to, to lean on. And that's... That's priceless, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing that compares. Uh, I want. I want to talk a little bit about like um, about what I feel like is your. You know, 
you've gone from from I'd almost say like when I was start when I was at step A, you were almost at step B already in the biz, and now you're at step C. Okay. Um, like you've you've made you made a big leap. Uh, I mean, you were already on things like Detroiters, yeah. and uh, how come you're not? And I think you should leave. I don't know. I was just hanging out with Tim Robinson last night. Let me try to ask him. But, you know, Tim, you got to put him up. There's got to be a spot listen, for Mike. I, I, you know, the way I look at season it, season four, season four. I for never sure. beg for anything. Yeah, no, from no, my no, friends. no, 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 no. Uh, when they, when they, when the, you know, when the, when it sparks that they're like, oh, we got to get him in this. When they put me in Detroiters, dude, bro, you have no idea. Tim gave me a call because are you in Detroit? And I was like, yeah, because I was actually back in Detroit. Uh, reinvesting in real estate because I've been investing in real estate for a while and he's like dude um, I'm talking to Comedy Central right now and we're trying to figure out about getting you in a scene man and he's like uh, he goes you know but they're pushing back but I'm gonna make it work so I was like all right cool then when he gave me the script this is what made me feel so good in the script I play this plumber who's pissed off that when they made my commercial they showed a shit in the toilet <laughs> so my first line is bro you showed a shit and when i saw that i'm like that's exactly how i talk like they know me and then they added this thing that was something that i used to do when i when we were coming up doing comedy and improv i would always mock their laughs there was a running bit where every time tim would laugh i'd mock it and then Tanning we'd mock and then we'd have this mocking and they wrote that into the scene that's great. And that to me was so, to me, it's like, I'm not going to be like, put me in your fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if, no, no. It, if, and, if, and if it sparks, put me in. And when they put me in Detroiters, I have ever, I have, I had every reason to do that role. You know what I mean? But like, like, okay. So yeah. And also I, 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 I almost, I almost do feel bad for asking that question. Cause I remember, um, when I made my documentary, Al, the guy I made my film, did you see the documentary? Oh, like, you check it, it out. It, you can watch it on Tubi right now or rent it on YouTube. Nice. Um, but um, I'll do that. But uh, Al was like going and doing podcasts and people would be like, you got Judd Apatow and Sarah Silverman and people. And how come they don't give you money to like help you out? And and I'm just sitting there He's like asking you that. No, 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 no. They're like people on other podcasts were asking Al that question, asking him why aren't these other people giving you money when you're when you're like in this position where you need it. And I'm sitting there, and Al Al had good answers, and I very much agreed with this. He's like, he's like, well, like what? They can give me some money so I can run through that money and be in the same position I'm in now. Where instead, like, hey, they're they're they came and like were in this film about me for free to help me get out there to. Help Help me be making my own money. Mm. And I think that's like such a more, it's like, you know, it's the give a man a fish versus teach yeah, them how to fish. Yeah, bro. I don't want any handouts. Yeah. And you, if and I they already gave you Detroiters, which is sick, but, but I bet you, I, I bet you'll be in season four if I think you should leave. Well, let's see. That's my bet. Keep hanging out with Tim. Uh, uh, <laughs> he came to my headline set. That oh, was great. Nice. Oh, yeah. great, great. Well, you know what? I bet you like, again, I think that's the kind of thing. So valuable, like, like as, as I always say this to people about like showing up at people's shows, like I'm probably not going to book you on my show just cause you came to support my show, but it helps, but it, one, it helps Two, It puts you in my good graces. Sure. And three, there have been times where it's like, there are so many comics and you see so many people on a regular basis. I just sort of forgot about you. And then you showed up at my show and I saw you and I'm like, right, I love this guy. Let me get him up. 
So like like that's the true value in it. It is. Um, it, you know, and you want it like someone's showing up for you, especially if you stay and like actually watch and and do that stuff. Yeah, yeah like yeah. It, it makes it makes that, I like that's supporting makes, shows, man. Sometimes when I actually go to a friend's show, I'm, it's nice. I'm just going to sit there and actually just enjoy comedy. You know what I mean? And actually watch some of my friends go up and watch them other than seeing them at an open mic. I think that's really nice. That's the other thing, too, is like like with booking, it's like I, I people can send me tapes. I, I just don't want to book off a tape. I like being out, and it's like if you blow my... If I'm, if I'm there and I see you and you blow my mind, you're like right up there on my next, yeah. uh, next show. There yeah. have been people who are like, you know, like there are a couple people who... I always thought we're all right. And then finally I saw that set where it all clicked and I was like, Jesus, they're amazing. Yeah. Like Steph Tolov. I remember yeah. like I saw Steph like three times. We were on like she shows together. Me, man. And I was like, Steph's all right. She's like a little loud and stuff. And then I saw her do this Laugh Factory set that was like, I was like, that's the best set I've seen in so long. Oh, wow. Steph has fucking got it. And yeah. like immediately. She's hilarious. Look, she's so good. She's Even so just good. the way she looks and walks and talks. Well, she embraces it. I mean, so much a comedy is being vulnerable and embracing who you are and all your flaws. Amen. It's like it's That's like, why I love comedians. The funniest things about Stever when she's like being the troll coming out I from know. under the bridge. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like such a yeah. hugely funny part instead of like pretending. And that's a lesson to everybody, even if you're not a comedian. If you own what you are, it's endearing. And that's confidence. It's endearing. And, and getting back to the confidence thing from earlier, that's confidence. That is confidence. That's the confidence people see with you on stage is not being afraid to be who you are. Mm. And that tra tra transfers through because the biggest lesson, the moment I understood what be confident meant is all be confident means is, is don't be worried about what happens. Mm. It's like if you go up to a girl and you're like, whole life is on the line in your, your whole emotional state is on the line of if she says yes or no to a date she's probably gonna say no and it's probably gonna come off overly anxious and weird right if you go up to a girl and ask her out on a date and you're totally okay with her not being interested in that yeah you have much better shot of her saying yes and you even have a much better shot of if she says no her changing her mind that's very true and not only that, I think it's also very important if you're going to be doing stuff like that, especially when you're hitting on a girl, right? It's important to make the engagement with them pleasant no matter where it goes. Yes, yes, yes. That's the key. Yes. The key is... is Not treat them weird because... They, they, they rejected yeah, you. Yeah, it's just fine. Yeah, that's cool. You don't... Like, I, you know... And it's you, not easy. You got to have the mindset of, well, I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with right. me. So thank you for saving me the time and effort. Right. And, and if money. anything, just at least let them feel... I learned that lesson, bro, when I came to L.A., for the first time because I like gyms I have to have a gym so I signed up for the closest gym to me where I moved here and it's Gold's Gym back in 2012 bro Gold's Gym was big gay golds <laughs> and I didn't know because when I went there I just paid the thing and I left and then I started working out there and then my buddy Sam was like hey did you find a gym I was like yeah I'm going to Gold's he goes you're going to big gay golds and I'm like big gay what bro <laughs> now being there was kind of weird because for the first time in my life, I knew what it felt like to be a woman. Mm. And I saw these creepy, listen, not all, 99% of the, the guys that worked there were cool and, and whatever. But that one to 2% of the creepers, the ones that just are creepy, I saw different versions of myself 
hitting and doing the hitting on women in the wrong way or or doing so this is a thing that a lot of men do and make a big fucking mistake they'll stare at you you can tell they're attracted to you but they don't make the move they just stare at you and everywhere you go they're just it's like a they're like a satellite you know what I mean? They're just outside your atmosphere making the fucking shit creepy. I saw that. And I'm like, dude, I got to stop that. Yeah. You know? And then I saw other fucking ways that guys would engage me in there. And I'm just like, dude, I do that too. I got to stop that. The guy that did it the best, as soon as he saw me, he didn't hover. He walked right up to me. He smiled. And he's like, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, hey. And he's like, dude, you're fucking strong. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. And we started talking about working out, like what he's doing for a workout, whatever. Then and then it, you sucked his dick. <laughs> and then I sucked his dick. <laughs> and and then, like, what happened? I'm like, oh, this guy's so fucking good. And then, uh, and then I was like, oh man, I'm. He hit on me, and he was like, hey man, I would love to take you out sometime. I really think you, you know. And I was like, dude, I'm not gay. And then he just goes, just my luck, you know. <laughs> and then he goes, dude, I hope I didn't make it weird. I go, no, you didn't make it weird at all. He goes, hey man, my name's Kevin, and uh, have you ever seen me in the gym? Say what's up, bro. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I re- I saw that and I was like, perfect execution. You came in quick. You talked about something that was happening in the moment. Then you popped a question. I rejected you and you made me feel good about it. Perfect. It's also easy to reject. It's easy to be rejected when you're like, when they're like, I'm gay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. Yeah. I'm not gay. Well, uh, I'm not although, gay. although I had, I had this experience once. So, uh, this has been a running theme recently. I've had multiple lesbians try to find out if they're interested in guys with me. Oh, that's awesome. And one that's of them so one of them was uh similar to that story, which was I was at a bar and I saw this girl who looked really cute sitting at the bar and I went over and I sat next to her and I started to talk to her. And then she just goes to me, she's like, like before I even asked her out or anything, she could tell I was hitting on her. She's like, just to let you know, like I'm really, just gonna let you know ahead of time, like I'm gay. And I'm like, that's fine. Uh, and we just kept talking. And then I said, uh, see you later. And she like followed me on the Facebook at the time. I went home the next day. She starts messaging me like, hey, you want to come hang out? And then we hooked up. Whoa. Yeah. And it was her first time with a man? Uh, I don't know if it was her first. It was first in a while. <laughs> How hot is that, bro? And she was like, I don't know. I was weirdly attracted to you, which I haven't felt in a long time towards the guy. That's great, man. Yeah. That's a good feeling right there, bro. That's a good feeling. That's yeah. a great story, and it happened bro. that one time, and it didn't happen again. That's it was fine. Like, great. That's fine. Yeah. I hooked up with a baddie last night, man. That yeah, was nice. good for you. It's been a minute for me right now. But it's been a minute for me, too. <laughs> you know, I understand. It was like, it's been a while, bro. So I've, I've been in a drought, man. A lot of it's because I'm focused on work and I'm not engaging women in public like I usually do because I'm just elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, it's concerned. I mean, I'm on I'm on my uh, anti-anxiety meds, which... And I heard that kills your libido. It kills my libido. It doesn't stop me Fuck. from being able to have sex. Have you, uh, have you tried microdosing mushrooms? No, I, I, that that kills my anxiety if I microdose mushrooms. Hmm, interesting. I I I consider like I get. I don't have much anxiety though, you know. But I'm just saying. I feel weird because like things like weed and mushrooms have like heightened it in the past. But you probably took too much. Yeah, definitely. I'm talking um, about taking like 250 milligrams, which is a quarter of a gram. Maybe, maybe it's negligible. Maybe you, I'd try it, but I've, I've got. I'd have to wean myself off of the things I'm on right now. Yeah, first. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you like not having a libido? Kind of. God damn it. Kind of. I hate not having a libido. No, I, I don't have a libido. I'm well, so mad. Well, it's weird because it's like I have low libido, and then I'll have like a weekend where I'm like 
like raging horny. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> it's like it all stores up and then explodes. Because I'm like, on TRT, I had to figure out my dose. Is that a testosterone thing? Testosterone replacement therapy. But I had to figure out my dosage because the doctors, all the doctors I went to, they put me on 200 milligrams. And I had to practice myself to figure out I'm more of a 80 milligrams a week. So the less that I did, the man, my libido came back. Because apparently when I was putting too much testosterone in there, my estrogen would fucking go out of control. It, it's nice to not be like worrying about like getting laid and, and going on dates and stuff. If so. I don't have a libido, I'm worried about me not having a libido. Yeah, no. Because I've always been very horny. Man. I, I am worried about that I still am. too. But like- I still have like ended up date go, dating people like I've been on these for like two years so I've gone through two relationships uh, already like with with these and um, when I like someone I still like them and I'm able to have sex and oft- oftentimes I'll just like not take the meds for a weekend and oh. like it comes back oh really yeah that quick mm-hmm. wow um, that's good yeah but you know it's not good to be off them for a long time wow. otherwise I start to get crazy oh wow okay. But not like anything like real bad. Crazy. No, 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 no. It's no, no. mostly it's. I you mean, won't be able to fucking function the way you want to function. The main, the main thing, like, 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 if uh, somebody, <laughs> actually, it's funny. My ex, who was a psychologist, uh, did a great job of explaining anxiety to her ex husband, who had none. Um, which was because uh, I really don't have anxiety. It just comes okay. from once in a while. Anxiety you know? is you have a test coming up. And you haven't studied enough for it, and you're like cramming the night before. You know that feeling of like going into a test you're not prepared for. Normal anxiety. That people with anxiety just feel that all the time. That's crazy for no reason. For no reason. And uh, and like before I got before I got on the meds, I would do things like I'd wake up every morning. My alarm clock was a bad thought. Like Mm. like I'd have some thought I didn't like. Like uh, like. Your ex never cared about you. Ah! <laughs> and then I'm just awake. And like it kept me from sleeping. Wow. And I'd have trouble sleeping because like whatever's bothering me, I couldn't stop thinking about. And now That's it's torture. What's like it's like I I still hear the like I still think the thing that bothers me. But then like 20 minutes later, I'm not worried. I'm not like lamenting on it anymore. Sure, sure, I'm sure. I'm not just walking around all day like That's fucked because, up, like, fucked the, up, yeah, fucked up. The meds are helping. <laughs> yeah, I always say that um, anxiety and depression are diagnosed together because it's like um, it's like uh, you're either depressed or you're worried about being depressed again. Uh, wow, <laughs> that's fucking torture, bro. Because Because really, what is anxiety? But like if this happens, my life is over. Yeah. If I fail that test- my life is over. Very so. seldom do I have that type of anxiety. I probably can count like maybe twice in my entire life where like I would just be doing nothing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to die. Well, this And is- I'm just like, what the fuck is that? Where did that come from? Why am I even thinking about that? And the feeling is there. But that doesn't happen often, thankfully. Well, I'll close, I'll close with this. Um, that's why I think there are, that's another reason why I think there's lots of Jews in Hollywood is that anxiety is the perfect disposition to have to be a great writer because writing is about creating conflict. So you sure. have to come up with as a writer is worst case scenario. Sure. This person does this. Exactly. What's the worst thing that can happen to them? Sure. And how do they get out of That's it? That's a very good so point. So if you have anxiety, when you're presented with a scenario, your worst case scenario can come quickly. And I'll give you an example of like the way I think different from how somebody else thinks. Okay. 
a lot of people when Trump was president would tell me that their biggest fear is he's not going to leave office. He's going to be president until he dies. And I went, my biggest fear is that he's going to upload his consciousness to a cyborg and be president forever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, he became president at the exact wrong time because we're entering the period where he can maybe end up doing that. Being immortal. Wow. So, so I was, so it's like most people couldn't think that extra step. Yeah, I can. I got no problem, man. (laughs) But that, that extra step of anxiety possibility. I'm pretty sure that does help. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. In terms of anxiety, I think like, for me, I can go to those ridiculous like heightens of like taking a story that way because I fucking I've had a a pretty rough life. You know what I mean? Like almost self-induced. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But yeah, I yeah, definitely. I could see definitely how a lot of writers who have anxiety are fucking like really good or enjoy writing. And Al, it's probably therapeutic to got- get that out on the paper instead of the guy I made my you. documentary about, who I think is like the funniest. In my opinion, the funny, in my personal opinion, one of, if not the funniest, like stand up writers of all time, has more anxiety than anyone I've ever met in my life yeah. by far. It's energy. By far. It's energy. If you think about it, that anxiety is a form of energy. Oh, you can feel it. That needs to get out. You right? feel it. Energy is amazing because I, I always say this. I mean, like, like one thing as a stand up that I really notice is that since I've been doing this for a long time, I can tell if the person walking on stage from the moment they get on stage is A, terrified, B, confident, or C, fake incompetent. Mm, yeah. I know from the moment. And there's nothing that bothers me more than them faking confidence yeah. on stage. Because I'm like, the whole point of being yeah. up on stage and being a comedian is being honest, yeah. and you're dishonest from the start. Right, it's about being, also being present. And uh, and I'll, I'll end with, uh, sorry, I'll end with this. I'll end with the story of the best, the hardest I've ever seen anyone crush in my life. Okay. And it was, I started comedy in New York City taking a stand-up class at Caroline's Comedy Club. Okay, at what the, year? This is... Uh, 2008 okay i kind of quit for a long time sure 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 um but but uh so i was the teacher's like favorite student like she thought i was the one person who had like a one of like two people that had like a real chance of making it but there was this girl in the class who took the class just because she had she was like, I just need to do this because my biggest fear in the world is public speaking. Right. And uh, I need to like, I'm trying to work on getting over it. So during the class show at the end where everyone had to do their five minutes, she got up at the mic having a complete panic attack meltdown and went, I am doing this because I have incredible stage fright and I'm just trying to. And it was murdering. It like I've never seen an audience so destroyed for five straight minutes because she was literally freaking out on stage and it, and she's saying and she's still doing the what jokes she's doing like the jokes are just explaining that she's trying to get over her stage fright. that's great and how present is that and it was the most honest thing I'd like ever seen on oh, stage oh yeah 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 so just that same stamp. This is my first time doing a show yeah. live in front of people. Yeah. And because I was like the teacher's favorite student, she had me going second to last mm. because the last person was this girl, Tanya, who brought like 30 something people to it's the show. It's a bringer show, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she closes it out. So like she's going last because we need them to stay, but there were like 30 people on the show that are, have never done stand up. So people are watching. I'm like, 28 people have gone up. 
I'm the 29th person. Tanya hasn't gone. When they introduced me my first time ever, people in the audience go, where's Tanya? We want Tanya. And just the whole audience start chanting, we want Tanya. The very first time I've ever walked up on stage to perform live. Oh, my God. And I just got up in the mic and I went. Hi, I'm Tanya. Ah, <laughs> uh, did that kill? Uh, that got a big laugh, yeah. and then they hated me. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's uh, fucking hilarious. But, uh, but that's a good lesson about being present and being honest on stage. Being present, being honest. Uh, Mike, anything you want to say um, to you know, anything you want to promote? It's probably coming out in like four weeks or so. Fuck. <laughs> four weeks. Uh, well, in four weeks. Um, well, if this comes out a little bit before, I'll be in Toronto June 16th and 17th, and then I'll be in Tampa July 6th. Uh, I'll be at the Comedy Store La Jolla headlining August 16th, uh, and I will also be heading out to the Midwest to the Looney Bin uh, in Little Rock and in Tulsa, and Wichita might be coming up soon. All my links and everything is at MikeFromDetroit.com. All my social media links are up there. I'm Mike from Detroit on everything, Instagram, Venmo, everything. Just find me. And I'm the Edelmeister on everything, Venmo, Venmo, PayPal, <laughs> Cash App. <laughs> also, I have a podcast. Zelpay. I got a podcast called Public Yemeni Number One. Oh, yeah. Um, that reminds me. I want to give you your- I'm your, actually wearing your, my Public your, Yemeni t-shirt. Your parting gifts for being on the show. I sell t-shirts online. I got fun t-shirts. And then uh, Public Yemeni Number One is my podcast. You can find it at MikeFromDetroit.com. Mike from Detroit on everything. Um, I have three stickers. I eat. Oh, there they are. Final gifts that I give everyone who Fuck appears yeah. on the show. First off, you get my uh, my Drew Rogan experience sticker. Oh, nice! I should be I should be giving out fucking stickers on my and then um, and shirts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, voting in California. National elections doesn't do that much, so I designed an I voted sticker, exactly identical to the California one, except mine says I farted. Nice. Fuck yeah, I like that. That's fucking and cool. Then, um, you got this as a T-shirt too. I don't have that one. You should make this a t-shirt. I'll make that a t-shirt. This is very fucking good. Okay, yeah. Maybe that t-shirt would sell a ton. (laughs) Maybe even if it's just on the side like that. Very Um, small. And then uh, here's my secret sticker. So when I'm out on the road promoting shows, I tell people about those two. And I go, and I got a third secret sticker. If you want, you can ask me about. And uh, it never sold when I would promote it like with the other stickers. Sell a lot of them as a secret sticker. Anyway, it says all likes matter. Nice. Hey, I like that. Uh, there's a little thumb for the eye. These um, are great, bro. Uh, when uh, during the Black Lives Matter rallies, when Instagram models would like take pictures, like they were at the rally, I would always comment on their posts. Hashtag All Likes Matter. That's funny. And then uh, for the Joe Rogan experience, you know, on the Joe Rogan experience, he pushes a co- product called Alpha Brain. What? Well, here we have Beta Brain, what? and you know, Joe Rogan's like like doing a kettlebell. I'm doing like a yoga pose ah, on it. Um, what is this? It's just Tic Tacs. You're fucking stupid, bro. <laughs> That's fucking great. And lastly, your very own Jew Rogan experience. Dude, I didn't know I was going to be so coming out with merch. around with my face and the word Jew on I it. I would have brought a t-shirt for you, too. I'll give you one of my public images. Awesome. Ones. Thank you so much for tuning in, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for doing the thank show. You, bro. That was great. That Super was good fun. convo. And I will see you next week.